So what if you're single? You're never alone in the single soul circle. Join us as we hear from singles who will inspire you and help you face the unique challenges and opportunities of the single life. I'm your host, Heidi Fry. Today, I'm excited to have Shoshana Leon joining us in the single soul circle. Shoshana launched Foodie Fosho, a resource for culinary news and events in Arizona and beyond in 2019. A communications professional with more than 15 years of experience, she has contributed articles to several local publications covering restaurants, chefs, and culinary events. Today, she'll share more about how she became a foodie, how she decided to start writing about it, what she's learned from restaurants as they adapted to the pandemic, some of her favorite food events, and advice for anyone thinking about starting a blog or other project that they're passionate about. Thank you for joining us today, Shoshana. Let's start at the beginning. When you were a kid, were you an adventurous eater? I don't know if I was an adventurous eater, but um, I think most people would say that eating and traditions and meals were part of how they grew up, anybody who's a foodie. And I'm Jewish, so we have certain holidays where we have certain foods associated with them and everything was a lot around food. Um, You know, the certain Jewish holidays where we would have foods that are very symbolic or foods we would always eat. And I would get used to eating certain things. But a lot of holidays, just like in every culture, are built around meals. So that was a big thing for me growing up. Another thing was, as a kid, we took a lot of vacations. And we always went out to eat. Like as a kid, I went out to eat a lot. Whenever we were at breakfast, we'd talk about like what we're having for lunch. <laughs> and at lunch, we'd talk about what we're having for dinner. And it wasn't like fancy type food, but we just always, always enjoyed going out and eating. And we still do. Um, so a lot of our vacations still, when we do family type vacations, we do cruises and you know, there's a lot of food there. And uh, so I think it's always, it was just a part of my upbringing from the Jewish culture side, but also from the family side of uh, going out to eat a lot and going to restaurants a lot. I just enjoyed that into adulthood. Mm-hmm. So when did you realize you were a foodie? Um, I think I've always been really interested, like I said, because of growing up like that, I've always been interested in food and restaurants and I don't really cook. So it's, you know, so I really uh, like to go out a lot. And um, I've had a lot of experiences that made me very interested in food, like going to different events and things like that. And I, uh, you know, I'm a writer for my career, but I'm a corporate writer. So I write about, you know, corporate type of things like corporate strategy and human resources and nothing that's, you know, too juicy. Um, But I know how to write. So Mm -hmm. um, but it was very, you know, kind of uh, very corporate topics. And I decided I want to do a little freelance. And um so in a couple of years ago, I was going to the New York City Wine and Food Festival. And this is probably how everything got started, which is a huge event with, it's sponsored by Food Network and Cooking Channel and any Food Network chef you could name is there. Oh, wow. And they do live demos and then they have a big food tasting hall. They have events at night. And I went with my mom and I'm like, if I'm going to go to this event, I want to write about it. That'll be a great thing to write about. So I reached out to probably 20 different outlets in the Valley, everywhere from Arizona Republic to you know, Foothills Magazine to Phoenix Magazine, and only one person wrote back. Uh, It was a publication called Phoenix Bites. It's a website, phoenixbites.com. And she gave me an opportunity. She said, yeah, you could write this article. After I went to the event, I wrote an article. That was the first article I got published about food-related items, which was October 2017. And since then, she told me that I could write, you know, more articles. And so people always ask how I got started. I got started by doing a lot of stuff for free. Like I would just write for different publications that would take me for free. And then once I started writing for Phoenix Bites, I built up a little bit of portfolio. And the cool thing was I wrote about things that I was interested in. Like I did a little column on happy hours and things like that. And uh, then I was able to, you know, build up a little portfolio of articles and be able to share them and um, work with other publications. Eventually, 
I got paid, but I definitely do not do this for money because you don't really get paid a lot doing these articles. But I started connecting with other food writers and things like that. You know, I just always knew that I was interested in uh, dining out and food and I could write. So I kind of wanted to combine those passions and talents together and, and create a food blog. And so for a couple of years, I wrote for other people. And then I'm like, I could do my own because when yeah. I worked for other people, I didn't have so much control over the content or the format or how it looked, or sometimes they would like change things in my story, which they have, the, you know, their editor, they have the right to do. But, um, you know, I wanted to control my content. So I, in April of uh, 2019, I created my own website, which I was surprised I could do my own logo, my own website, my own social channels mm -hmm. uh, called Foodie Faux Show because my name is Shoshana. Some people don't understand where I got the name from, but it's from my name. Yeah, like two years ago, April 2019, I created my own website using just like very basic GoDaddy. It was very easy to do. I was surprised I could do it, but I just decided I was going to do that so I could kind of control my content. I still uh, do some writing for other people, but that's pretty much how it got started. And uh, it's, been, it's been a very fun ride because it's something that I'm passionate about, I like to do. And it's not really about, I don't make my living this way, but it's just something that I enjoy doing as my side hustle. Yeah. I love following you on Instagram. You're always posting all these amazing foods that have me drooling. And I'm always hearing about the newest restaurants. And what have been some of your favorite experiences that you've shared as Foodie Fosho? Um, for me, I'm, you know, I think everyone also, one thing that's interesting, everyone has a different, like, uh, beat. Some people like to write about beer. Some people like to write about dive bars. I kind of like more of the like high end resort experiences, wine pairings, uh, things like that. So, you know, as I built up my brand and as I built up uh, my portfolio, I got started to get invited to more events and things like that. Um, I'd say, you know, my favorite kind of experiences, I mentioned that food and wine festival in New York city three years ago was amazing. I mean, that was really what kicked it off. And I went with my mom. So it was like a fun experience for us. Yeah. And then we went back the next two years and we probably would have gone this year if they had one, but it's, it's, I mean, it's, there's like thousands of people, you know, but just having those experiences and it's like, you're at food network, but it's live, you know, and it's just a really cool thing. And they have um, probably like a hundred different um, little events that go on and you can like, I got to meet Bobby Flay. That was very exciting. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was very cool. Um, and there were all the, you know, so I got to go with, spend time with my mom and go to New York and, you know, go to all these events. And, you know, like it was where like one event we were at and like Morimoto was sitting next to us. Like it was just really cool. So yeah. um, that was really fun. And then I also another local event, probably like the same time frame, like three years ago, maybe uh, they introduced the Nirvana Food and Wine Festival, which is uh, at the Sanctuary Resort with Chef Bo McMillan. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but he's kind of like a Food Network personality. Uh, he's from Boston, but he's been at Sanctuary for like 20 years as the chef. And he's just like a great guy. And he pulled together all these chefs from all over the country, like really well-known chefs like Guy Fieri and Scott Conant and all these people. And um, so they had the Nirvana Food and Wine Fest, but they haven't been able to have it because it's a big crowded thing. But it's uh, the first year I went to, they have like a four or five different events over a series of days that have different themes like uh, fried chicken and bubbles is one of them, you know, and uh, so because fried chicken and champagne are match made in heaven. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, they had different events. They had like a kind of like a tropical theme and like Robert Irvine was the host. So I went to and it's a very intimate event and you get to like, I mean, there's a couple hundred people there, but you do get to like mingle with celebrity chefs and get to taste a lot of different kinds of food. Uh, there's a lot. It's one of those like tasting type things. So it's like a really it's a really fun uh, thing to be a part of. So those are kind of like my top two events. But in general, I just love going to any type of like food and wine pairing. I mean, even just the other night, there's a new restaurant at Scottsdale Fashion Square called Francine. 
by uh, this guy who's from France. And it's kind of like the lighter side of French food. And uh, they did an olive oil tasting and you got to taste all these different olive oils and different dishes. So I love doing stuff like that. Anything that kind of has an educational Mm -hmm. event or brings wine and chefs together or cocktails and chefs together. There's a lot of that uh, going on. So I really like uh, those are the kind of experiences that I enjoy. So you mentioned, you know, there's not a lot of money in doing this. So what are some of the other perks of being a food blogger? Um, well, one is just getting invited to all of these events. And for me, it's not about the money. It's about the experiences. But at Perks, I do get invited to like when there's a restaurant opening or there's an event. Like, you know, the other night, this catering company is uh, now doing pop-ups because catering companies obviously aren't doing weddings and things like that now. And it's amazing to see how these restaurants and things have really pivoted to deal with this pandemic and how they're being able to come up with new business models and new ideas and things like that. But the other night I got invited to this event, it was at a mansion, like a mansion in Paradise Valley that was unoccupied. Like how often do you get to go to a mansion like that and get to walk around and look in their closet? I probably wouldn't, (laughs) but they had a movie theater. It was really cool, but they had these chefs and the kitchen was right in front of you Mm -hmm. and you could see them like cooking in the kitchen. So people will you know, invite me. So I'll post about it or write about it. Uh, so those are kind of the perks you get is, and also just getting to know the people, you know, getting to know the chefs, getting to know the other culinary writers, like in Phoenix, there's a few like professional culinary writers, but it's more of people like me who have a day job, but they also do this on the side. There's probably like 30 of these people. And when you go out, you see them. So it's fun. Like you build a little community of the different people, the different other food writers that you see out. So that's been another kind of fun perk is getting in that community, but also just getting to uh, try things and kind of getting advanced notice of, I get like a lot of press releases that tell me what's happening, what's coming. So staying on top of the news, that's another kind of perk. Can you tell me more about some of the relationships you have been able to build through your blog and being a foodie? Yeah. I mean, I think there's different types of relationships. And one thing that's been really, there's a couple of different groups of people. I mean, one is getting to know the actual chefs themselves and the restaurateurs and getting to talk with them. I mean, that's been just a really cool experience because I've done a lot of, I mean, everybody from Vincent on Camelback who's been there for, I want to say over 30 years to, like I mentioned, Mark Tarbell, Chef Bo McMillan. I mean, I've interviewed all those people. So having that opportunity uh, to interview them, that's been really cool. Another key thing of this is the public relations people that connect you. I mean, there's so many, there's probably four or five major PR firms that handle all the restaurants. So getting to know them and having a good relationship with them so they can get me the interviews I need, the photos I need. And then I think also building the relationships, like I mentioned with the other food writers in town. So, you know, like the other night I mentioned, I went to Francine and uh, at Scottsdale Fashion Square for the olive oil tasting. And even though like now we don't sit together, like it used to be a group of us of like 20 of us all sit together. We don't do that anymore. But, you know, we were other people in the restaurant, so I saw them. And so it's kind of fun. Like you build this relationship with the other food bloggers and they're very like not competitive. They're just very kind. And they like when I first started out, they were very helpful to me. So um, it's great to build all of those relationships from the chefs to the PR people to the uh, other food writers in town. Sounds like a lot of fun. It is fun. Yeah. So then moving into, okay, COVID hits last year. So at first, some restaurants were completely closed down and a lot of things changing. Can you talk more about your experience early on in the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, it's been really, restaurants have been hit very, very hard. And like I said, I'm really impressed with the things they've done to come back. I mean, the takeout and family meals and all kinds of special deals. And they've, I mean, they've just like pivoted so hard to do things. And at the same time, they've been really generous with helping others, like donating meals. And these restaurants that are suffering themselves, they still are doing things to help the community and and first responders and all that. 
But um, for me, one thing that was interesting, you know, I have a full-time job and so I do this as a side hustle and sometimes it's pretty exhausting because like I'll be working all day and then there's a dinner. Sometimes there'll be like three dinners a week and then I'd also have articles to write. But then as soon as COVID hit, like March, I mean, when things closed down, it was like done. Like my calendar was like empty, you know? And so I tried to support as much as I could by doing takeout. And uh, I did quite a bit of that. I still do it. Um, and I've done a lot to support the restaurants in any way I could, writing about them, sharing my experiences. Uh, when they opened back up, I went back out a little bit. Like in May, in uh, March, everything kind of stopped cold. And now things are picking up a little bit. But it's not the way it used to be with a whole group of people. Um, but now there's, I mean, PR people are trying to do events and trying to get people to try new restaurants. And one thing that's amazed me is how many new restaurants have opened during this pandemic mm-hmm. period. There's yeah. been so many. I have a page on my site called New Restaurants, and I can hardly keep up. I mean, even December, November, October, so many restaurants have opened up, and some of them are doing okay. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty amazing to see that. Yeah. And what have you learned from restaurants about adaptability and resilience during the past year? I mean, they have just been amazing the way that they have, you know, been able to pivot and do takeout and do, I mean, I think like back in the, I don't think they do it anymore, but they were doing cocktails for takeout and wine for takeout and doing anything they could. They were doing a lot of family meals. They were, um, I think they just pivoted their business model. They, when they had to, they, you know, spaced out the tables, they did whatever they could to keep their business going. And I think they've done a really good job of that. And then, like I mentioned before, I think they've also been really good about, uh, helping the community at the same time. They prepare meals for, I mean, there's some that just gave away for a couple of months, were just giving away meals to people because uh, they had the food, they had the supplies. Uh, so that, that kind of thing is really amazing. And then also delivering meals to frontline workers and facilitating donations and things like that. So some of the stuff that's happened has been pretty um, inspirational because while they're, they've been hit so hard, they still find the time um, to help others. So I think that's been uh, been pretty good, but I still go out and there's still, you know, restaurants are still open and I think they're just doing uh, the best that they can. And what else can people do during these times to really support these restaurants? I think it's just really important to, um, to go in there to order takeout. I mean, one thing I try to tip a lot cause I know that they're kind of um, suffering. I think that's a, uh, that's one thing you can do. I mean, there's different groups that have been helping around uh, around town that you can make donations to a lot of them have they might have like a uh, GoFundMe page but I think the best way is to just go to restaurants you know do takeout if you're not comfortable going in and share your experiences with other people and tell them to go put it on your social media you know things like that I think are uh, very helpful to restaurants and just getting the word out and um, you know trying to support them as much as you can especially your favorite ones because a lot of them you know, have lost business or some of them had to close. So it's, that's been kind of sad. So I think it's um, good to support them in any way you can. All right. So now I have kind of some sort of quick, fun questions that I'm curious okay. about. So fun. yes. <laughs> have okay. you ever dated a picky eater? And if so, how did that go? Well, it's funny that you say that because I dated a guy during the pandemic, which maybe you're not supposed to do, but, and he didn't, like anything uh foodie like he thought mcdonald's was like the best food you could get and so i was so excited and i kept saying let's go to these places and he'd go and he just didn't like it he didn't get it he didn't want to talk about it so obviously that's not going to work out but um that's a big part of what i do socially and i'm always like hey let's try these restaurants so if they don't like it i mean even now like in my dating profile i'll say that that's something that's very important to me is going trying new restaurants and you know, someone who appreciates wine and 
things like that. So, you know, um, it didn't work out because, you know, that's what I like to do for my dates. So if you don't like to do that, then it's not going to go very far. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. And what is the strangest food you've ever eaten? Um, I I don't think they're strange. There's things that I've really come to like over time that uh, people who aren't foodies will get not into like, uh, I really like foie gras, which unfortunately, I think there's duck torture involved. So people aren't too excited about that one. But also bone marrow, which you get a piece of bone, it has like a lot of fat in it. Um, So I think things like that, that I've kind of come to appreciate that people if you don't have it often you'll be like what is that why am i eating this insides of a bone or why am i eating a duck liver or whatever but um you know i i remember once too i ate a i went to this restaurant that unfortunately closed but on top of the um whatever it was there was like a little cricket that was part of it and i ate it oh, and wow. it was crunchy and it was fine <laughs> but uh yeah yes and is there ever anything that you've eaten that you didn't think you'd like but ended up loving I mean, I think the things I just mentioned, you know, like, um, like the bone marrow and the foie gras, I really like very like rich type of like, I always say I want to have a show called tiny foods, because I like as opposed to like ginormous foods. But I always like the very like tiny, very rich type of things. Those are things that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to eat big portions, I like to eat small portions of really good rich things. Mm-hmm. Um, so but I haven't really, uh, you know, those are the kind of things that I've, I mean, I think over time, as you go to these different events, you learn more about food, you get more educated about um, different types of food, like French food and Italian food and, and all of that. And we have such great opportunities in the Valley. We have like really, uh, you know, obviously we know we have great Mexican food, but we have really authentic um, Italian chefs, authentic French chefs. And so we have all kinds of chefs who have amazing training and amazing opportunities to try different things. So that's, uh, like I said, one thing I really like about going to events is getting the education about this food, where is it from, and what it is. And so I really like to learn along the way. Right. And this question may be very difficult. Uh, what is your favorite dish? I have a couple of favorite dishes. So I would say fried chicken is my favorite dish. I try to go around town and try as much fried chicken as possible. Um, I like the one at Southern Rail. I think they do it pretty well. There's some good fried chicken sandwiches around town, like uh, Monroe's fried chicken, which was downtown. And now I think they open one in Tempe. Uh, that's a really good fried chicken. Um, I also enjoy, like I mentioned, like foie gras is one I really enjoy. So any French restaurant, Zinc Bistro, which I really like, has it. I also really enjoy bone marrow. That's something you can't find everywhere. And it's also like off-putting to people because you get a big bone <laughs> and you have to you get a tiny fork. You have to like scrape out the rich fatty part. There's another real new restaurant I really like. It's called Flint. It's not that new. It opened last year, um, but it's at uh, the Esplanade. And they specialize in wood fire and they bring in these wood fired bones with the marrow. That's really good. Uh, so those are some, uh, some things that I, that I really like. And I like chocolate souffles. I like usually kind of French things, uh, chocolate souffle. I really like, and zinc bistro does a, a good one. So yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I like the, like I said, tiny rich foods, except for fried yeah. chicken. That's not a tiny. Rich food. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, uh, what are your favorite food cities? I mean, obviously like New York is a, uh, is a major food city. You know, I kind of, I like our food city. I feel like our, there's still places that I haven't been to that I want to try here. And I have a list and every once in a while I go to someplace on my list. So I think, you know, I feel like we have a really good food city, but Chicago, any of these big cities obviously have, uh, have good options. I think one of my food cities, uh, Napa Mm -hmm. and San Francisco have really good options. And um, I think you were going to ask me about my bucket list. And one of my bucket lists is going to the French Laundry which is, you know, in uh, Napa area. And 
you know, I've wanted, I wanted to go there. My friend was turning 40 and I wanted to take her there, but you know, I can't because it's limited as it is, but now during the pandemic, it's really limited. Um, but that's one of my bucket list items. And I have bucket list items in Phoenix. I haven't done like Binkley's has a 22 course menu, you know, but oh I got to save up for those. Yeah. So those are, and I'm sure it's all tiny foods, which I would love, but um, you know, so those kind of things, there's things in town that I haven't been to that are, you know, on my bucket list. Uh, Christopher Gross, who's been around for years. He's uh, he's opening a tasting place at the Wrigley mansion next mm-hmm. this year. So, I mean, something like that. So I have a lot of bucket lists that are just here. And I also, you know, as far as bucket list food items, I also want to go to some of the other festivals that are well-known, like the Aspen Food and Wine Festival. Uh, but again, those are probably going to be a little bit off. But there's definitely uh, restaurants around around the, uh, you know, world I'd like to try. And I was looking back on my Facebook memories that popped up a year ago today. I was in Netherlands, you know, and having some delicious food. And, you know, I just tasting food around the world is such a good experience. So I just can't wait to like get back out and be able to travel and try food in restaurants um, around the world as well as here. Definitely. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for sharing all those great answers to my little fun questions. (laughs) Sure. No problem. Yeah. Since March is women's history month, could you share more about some of the women chefs who are making history in the Valley? I feel like, you know, we're lucky in this town. We have awesome women chefs. You know, we have a, a lot that are really, really good, really talented. So even though, you know, I wouldn't say there's a lack of them, there's probably not as many as men chefs, but I think in our town, we're lucky to have some like Charlene Badman of f and B. I I mean, she was the first Arizona chef in 12 years to win the James Beard Best Chef Award in 2019. So that's amazing. And she's just, a, I've written about her a lot. She's a great chef because not only She's really into vegetables and um, she's really into like Arizona produce and all that. But she also cares about kids and nutrition. And she's been volunteering at uh, local schools for like 10 years. And she's helped spearhead this project where kids learn about different types of indigenous foods. And one thing that's amazing is she's done that. But she's also, you know, helped bring this program to many more schools. So she's really just been doing that. And then you know, Danielle Leone who used to be with the breadfruit. Uh, I think she still is, but they closed during the pandemic. But, you know, she's working to make sure that like she works with the James Beard Foundation to make sure about, you know, we have sustainable fish and things like that. Mm. Uh, Samantha Sands, who used to be at Talavera Four Seasons and now is at Sanctuary. I mean, she's like under 30 and doing amazing things. So we do have, I think we have a lot of good uh, female chef talent in this town. I mean, of course you could always, and like in every field, there could always be more, but I feel like we, we do have a really good pool of talented female chefs out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. And if anybody else is kind of thinking about starting a blog, maybe not necessarily about food, but just anything that they're passionate about, do you have any advice for people? Yeah, I mean, I would say one thing I'd mentioned earlier is put yourself out there and offer your stuff for free. Like you're not going to go out there your first year and get paid a lot of money to do it. And don't expect to get paid a lot of money. I mean, it depends what you're doing. But in this type of situation, I wasn't doing it like I'm going to switch careers and be a food mm-hmm. writer because I knew that probably wasn't going to sustain me. But at the same time, like I said, I reached out to a lot of publications and offered my services. I got a lot of rejection. Um, but I'd say in the first year, I probably wrote about 40 free articles. You know, I found a couple of people who would let me, you know, write for them. So I think it's really, if you want to do something like that, it's kind of finding other influencers in your area, finding other sources that are, uh, you know, whether it's a magazine or a website, asking to write for them, offering for free, build up your portfolio, um, connect with the right people, you know, when you're on social, connect with the right people, connect with other people that do that and get their advice. And when I decided to launch my website, I met with probably like three or four uh, public relations people and asked them what they thought, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, 
ask for their advice. So I think those kind of things are just very helpful. And I found everyone to be like super generous, super helpful. And um, it's been, that's been one of the rewarding parts besides getting to actually live my dream and go taste all this great food and post about it um, and have people recognize me for it. Uh, It's more about getting to know the other people who are as passionate as I am, because I could talk about this all day. So that's why I can't date guys who aren't into food, because I'll talk about it all day. So and this restaurant and that chef and blah, blah, blah. So they have to be into it. But yeah, so I think it's just really getting to know who's the authorities in your industry and getting to talk to other people who do what you do and take their advice. Yeah, oh, great. Thank you for sharing that great advice. Yeah, of course. All right. Of course. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with the audience? I think it's just fun to, like, to have a, a side hustle and kind of live something that you've wanted to do that's not going to be your career, but something that you can really um, enjoy doing on the side and get to know a whole different, you know, in addition to your job and your career and your family, you have this whole other thing that belongs to you that you're really interested in, passionate about. So thank you so much for joining us today, Shoshana. Be sure to check out Shoshana's website at foodiefoshow.com or follow her on Instagram at foodie underscore foshow. And I'll put the links in the show notes as well. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Single Soul Circle podcast. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for a guest, email me at singlesoulcircle at gmail.com and be sure to check out our blog at singlesoulcircle.com.